So, as I said before, it might be useful to take a look at some paragraphs of the encyclopedia. After all, we're studying objective spirit in the philosophy of right. And Hegel gave in his encyclopedia some remarks about objective spirit, philosophy of right, um, which might be very useful in uh, studying the lectures on the philosophy of right. I want to do that just by uh, commenting on uh, one paragraph at a time. And this time we're going to talk about the uh, paragraph 438. So let's dive into that. It's the philosophy of mind, part three of the Encyclopedia of the Philosophical Sciences. We're going to use the translation by William Wallace. And as a title for this paragraph, we can say it's about the free will as appearance of objective spirit. Now, this is the paragraph 483 in Wallace's translation. Let's read it together. The objective mind is the absolute idea, but only existing in posse, uh, which is uh, Wallace's translation for uh, an sich in itself so potential it's just uh, uh, how it can exist uh, how it's potentially existing and as it is thus on the territory or ground of finitude its actual rationality retains the aspect of external apparency which is I think not an English word but um, which nicely translated uh, translates the word äußerliches erscheinen external appearance the free will finds itself immediately confronted by differences which arise from the circumstance that freedom is its inward function and aim and is in relation to an external and already subsisting objectivity which splits up into different heads uh, to wit, anthropological data, uh, that is private and personal needs, external things of nature which exist for consciousness, and the ties of relation between individual wills which are conscious of their own diversity and particularity. These aspects constitute the external material for the embodiment of the will. Now, let's uh, take a look, take a closer look at um, this paragraph. Um, we can see here that is just the um, introduction of the concept of free will. And it connects the concept of the free will with the notion of objective mind or spirit. So this is the first sentence. The objective mind, the objective geist, is the absolute idea now of course in the encyclopedia at the end of the logic hegel has already explained what he considers to be the idea it's one of the major uh, concepts in hegel's philosophy next to spirit or mind as some want to translate it so the absolute idea what is that it, it's the culmination of the logic the realization of the complete and total unity of subjectivity and objectivity in the sense that at the end of the logic 
uh, we now have a logical understanding of what logic means. We know the ground of logic. Um, we also have an understanding that, um, especially in the logic, uh, we know that uh, the concepts of the human mind are in fact also the inner determinations of reality. Um, for instance, in the concepts of life, uh, uh, it's obvious that life is not just a concept, but it's also the reality that is the condition of a being that is able to form the concept of life. So the absolute idea means the absolute identity of subject and object of thought and reality as it appears within the logic. Now the objective mind, so the spirit in his realization as a reality, is absolute idea. That is to say, it is in itself a complete identity, um, an explicit identity also of subjectivity and objectivity. But then comes this remark, only existing in itself. So it's only nur an sich seiend, it's still undeveloped, it's not recognizing itself as such immediately. Um, so it, it still has to be developed, it has to be uh, shown to develop itself. And as it is thus, for that reason and in that manner, on the territorial ground, um, Hegel talks about the Bodem der Endlichkeit, um, it's thus on the territory of finitude. Uh, and why is that the case? Because it's merely in itself. So it's something that is considered, uh, so to speak, from the outside, and it does not express the whole yet, uh, the whole, uh, after all, being the infinite. So it's still on the territory or ground of finitude. It's actual rationality, the uh, wirkliche Vernünftigkeit, so the real inner rationality that is um, uh, a characteristic of the objective mind, retains the aspect of external apparency, äußerliche Erscheinung. Um, I would prefer to translate it as appearance, but I can understand why I wanted to coin this phrase, because this this appearance, uh, erscheinen, uh, is not exactly what Hegel means here. Um, it does mean he does mean that the rationality of the objective mind is um, apparent and appearing in an external reality, not also at the same time in an internal reality. Uh, let's say um, nature or if you prefer it, God, um, was the creative ground of um, human existence. And um, in their development, human beings um, formed, shaped an objective reality uh, of their own, which is the world of the objective spirit, which is law and, and modes of behavior and institutions and all of that. So it's still external apparency because we consider all of these, uh, all of our conventions and so social institutions, we consider these to be 
like a second nature. We uh, deal with them as if they were uh, simply given uh, in reality. Now, the free will, which is, of course, the topic of uh, the objective mind, the concept of the free will makes the transition between um, the uh, psychology, um, which is theoretical and practical mind, uh, between psychology and um, the section on objective spirit. So, the free will finds itself immediately confronted by differences which arise from the circumstance that freedom is, and then we get two major uh, characteristics of freedom. But it, it's um, confronted by differences. So there are determinations that uh, are separate from each other, opposite and contradictory to each other, um, which are found within the free will immediately. So let's take a look at the first one. Um, freedom is its inward function and aim. So freedom is something that is interior to the free will. It's uh, about the free will uh, possibly desiring this or that and striving for this or that and taking this or that as its aim. So it's uh, basically the freedom of choice. Um, we found that in the introduction to the philosophy of right. That is, uh, let's say, a basic definition of free will, that it, it's the interior possibility of a human being to make choices. So, secondly, uh, this freedom, this free will, is always in relation to an external and already subsisting objectivity. Um, I wrote about um, the free will uh, relating to um, a cup of coffee, uh, so the idea is that I can desire something and that I can uh, use my free will to um, procure that coffee, to drink it, to decide what I want to do with it, etc. So that's the second major difference. It's inward, uh, so it's an interior reality, but at the same time it has this wide world of objects around it um, which are, uh, which may be or may not be the object of uh, volition, of an act of volition. So, if we move on to the third, um, no, not the third, these are the two, interiority and exteriority, and now we get to um, the three divisions of that, which splits up into different heads. First of all, anthropological data, private and personal needs and desires and strivings and inner motivations, uh, all of that uh, is part and parcel of the free will. Uh, the free will acts upon these inner impulses. Secondly, uh, there is the external things of nature which, which exist for consciousness, like the cup of coffee, like the apple and uh, those things. And then thirdly, which is mentioned in the introduction to the philosophy of right, but not really dealt with, but Hegel introduces that concept immediately here, the ties of relation between individual wills which are conscious of their own diversity and particularity. So, um, in actuality, the free will is exercised always in relationships uh, with other human beings. Um, just by uh, myself 
drinking this cup of coffee, I exclude someone else from doing the same. Um, and ultimately in the sphere of abstract right, it's obvious that I claim to be the owner of that cup of coffee and to have my relationship to this external object recognized by others. We will talk about it extensively when we talk uh, about the concept of property. But immediately here, again, in the introduction of the philosophy of right, this is merely touched upon, but um, in the sphere of freedom, we always have this opposition between individual wills. Um, the, they are conscious of their own diversity. I am not that other person and particularity. I am this uh, singular uh, subject that has uh, particular characteristics. So all of that comes into play when we talk about the free will as the appearance of um, objective spirit. Why can we here immediately see that we need to talk about the apparency or the appearance of um, objective spirit? Well, uh, exactly because we have these three uh, differences, these three different motivations or sources of the determination of the free will. Um, for an individual, his or her private and personal needs and desires, etc., and emotions, um, they are uh, individual. Uh, the external things of nature are individually uh, cognized, they are uh, seen by my private consciousness uh, in the light of my desires and impulses. And of course, I look upon others from an individual perspective. Um, but these are really uh, separations of this one free will. The free will is broken up into what various individuals want, and they want different things. So they become opposed to one another. They may have a struggle with each other to uh, achieve their own goals etc. So that is merely the outer side, the external side of things. And you see someone from the outside looking at an apple, making a decision, taking that apple and thereby uh, uh, depriving someone else of the same, uh, the same apple. Then we see all of these three uh, elements occurring. It's the inner impulse to get the apple, it's the apple as it exists for consciousness, as something that is edible. And of course, there is this negative relation between individual wills. If two people want the same thing, um, then of course, uh, there can only be one who uh, walks away with it. Uh, we have not yet uh, uh, arrived at the notion of sharing. So, these aspects, Hegel says, constitute the external material for the embodiment of the will. Now the word embodiment suggests something I think is not really there in uh, Hegel's text. Hegel uh, talks about uh, or says this exactly, Diese Seite macht das äußerliche Material für das Dasein des Willens aus. Um, the notion of Dasein, uh, it's the least complex uh, concept for uh, reality. It's it's simply there. It has some kind of quality. It's simply there. Um, embodiment suggests much more. Um, so I wouldn't talk about embodiment, but just say for the existence of the will.
and where um, uh, Wallace uh, translated nur an sich science with the word existence, uh, why not use the word being? Why not get used in the English-speaking language? English-speaking world, I mean, um, why not get used to the, to the word being uh, used here? Okay, that's it for now. This is paragraph 483. My name is Robert Fain. Thank you for watching and see you next time.